0: Well, last week I showed you guys how we can have faith and unbelief at the same time. And when our unbelief is stronger than our belief, it can hinder the things we receive in prayer. It's kind of like how if we have fear stronger than our love, our fear will hinder the things we do from love. If God asks us to do something and we are too afraid to do it, we're actually going to disobey Him because our fear in us is greater than the love in us. It's the same thing with faith and unbelief. If our unbelief in us is stronger than the faith we have received and have developed, it's going to hinder the things we do for God. You understand? So today we're going to look at a few things we can do to overcome our doubt and unbelief. We're going to begin with Matthew 14. I mentioned this story last week. We're going to actually read it today. So Matthew 14, 22 through 32, says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. I just think that is an amazing verse right there about Jesus. He was just healing the sick, preaching, doing all these things all day long. He he sent the disciples away, then he dismisses the crowd, which you know how people can be sometimes leaving, like, just go home already. You know? <laughs> like, he's like, I've been doing this all day. Let me, let me, get, some, let me get some rest. And, and uh, he finally dismissed the crowd, and then he goes off by himself to pray. So if Jesus needed to be alone, to have time alone to pray, I think we probably need time alone to pray too, don't we? Even after we've had a long day of ministry or a long day of whatever, we still need time to pray. So later that night, he was alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind, uh, was against it. Uh, I think it's Mark's or Luke's version says that they were four to five miles out there. They had been rowing for a while. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, "It's a ghost!" And they said, and they cried out in fear. Now I'm not sure how many ghosts they'd seen up until that point, or what they had experienced, but for some reason they saw somebody walking on the water, which they had never seen before in their life. And they screamed out, Ah! It's a ghost. These are fishermen, right? These are, not all of them, but a bunch of them were. Tough men. And all of a sudden, they were terrified. You don't scream out like a girl. Sorry, girls. (laughs) You don't scream out like that if you're not afraid, right? They were really afraid. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Or don't fear. Don't fear. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus kind of put Peter into a little box here, didn't he? What's he supposed to say? It's not me. Stay in the boat. <laughs> you know, what he's, what's he supposed to say? He said, he said, come. He said, come. So verse 29, he's, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Aren't you guys glad that when you began to sink, no matter what area of your life it is, so you can cry out, and right away, Jesus is right there, and he just reaches out and grabs you and pulls you up. Right there, immediately, immediately. And then Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, you of little doubt, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Peter just did something here that had never been done in the history of the world, as far as we know, other than Jesus. He just did, he walked on water, okay? He walked on, that's amazing to think of, I've tried. He's walked on water, and you know, Jesus, Jesus that was no big deal. That was supposed to happen. That was expected. It was like, of course he walked on water, God, Jesus is the Lord over the water. He created the water. He expected, without, without any doubt in Jesus' mind, he expected him to walk on water. He did not expect him to sink. And that's why he didn't compliment him and say, boy, to him and not you bums that stayed in the boat. You know, <laughs> well, you guys over there. He, he said, he, he didn't compliment the good job that he did. And it was good. It's amazing what he did. Right? We'll give him credit for that. He stepped out and he did walk on water for a time. But, Jesus didn't expect him just to do it for a few minutes or a few seconds, whatever. Jesus expected him to do it for as long as he wanted to. Let's keep walking. Why don't we? Because another version of the story said they were going Jesus was going to walk right on by them. I don't understand that. Uh, he, he, was gonna, he said he would have passed them by if they wouldn't have called out to him. So maybe he was going to, let's walk the rest of the way over. We're almost there. Let's just walk to shore. Keep going. We don't know how long, but Jesus, all of a sudden, he's standing on water. Peter's starting to sink. He reached down, uses the force Under his feet of water to pull up another person up onto the water, and they both walk back and get into the boat. And Jesus totally expected that to happen. Jesus didn't doubt it. Jesus didn't question it. He knew because he said it, he believed it, it was going to happen. It was absolute faith in Jesus' part. And then he has the question to Peter, Why did you doubt? This question is really hilarious, isn't it? Why did I doubt? Are you joking? Are you joking? It's a storm. There's winds. We're on water. This should not be happening. It's probably what made him think, like, is this an outer body experience? Am I really awake right now? Like, what is going on? Like, I'm, am I literally walking on water? And then he sees the waves coming and the wind coming. He looks away from Jesus and he's thinking, like, what is going on? And he starts to sink. But Jesus never thought that. He wasn't scared of the waves. He wasn't scared of the wind. He wasn't scared of anything. He made the winds. He made those waves. He knew they were subject to him. And so he had, very, he had no doubt. And guys, we know why Peter doubted. I mean, it was obvious to us why he doubted. Every one of us, we would have either, either stayed in the boat or would have did exactly what Peter did. On our best day, we would have probably got out of the boat and did what Peter did. We probably all would have sunk, right? Okay, anybody admit it? Yeah, I would have. But Jesus why did you doubt? So we know why Peter doubted, but do you know why you doubt? Okay? That's the question for today. Is We know why Peter doubted. It was obvious why he doubted. But do you know why you doubted? So that's my question for us today. I mentioned last week, there's four kinds of doubt and unbelief that Andrew Womack mentioned. I'll just mention them again briefly. There was, one is ignorance. That's from people who have never heard. They've never heard the truth. There's disbelief. That's from people that have been taught incorrectly. There's natural unbelief or skepticism from life's experiences, negative experiences, and they're just choosing not to believe because of the hardness of your heart. They're just stubborn, hard heart. No matter what they hear, no matter who says it, they're not going to change what they believe. Today, we're going to mostly deal with that natural unbelief that we have, we receive sometimes just through life's experiences. Because, you know, it, faith isn't just a biblical concept. It actually goes throughout every area of our life. So we're going to look at that. So I want to just make mention, there's a law called the Law of First mention in the Bible, and we're not going to look at most from the Bible perspective today, but just from personal experience. There's a law of first mention or first experience that you have. And what this, what this does is when this happens, the first time you hear something, you believe that to be true. And, or the first time you experience something, you believe that to be true. And it takes convincing to change your mind otherwise. For example, if you had a friend tell you that they had a friend that was being charged of a crime, and they were innocent, you would believe that friend, because no matter what the evidence said, until it was absolutely proven, you would, say you would believe that friend was innocent. Or the flip the other way, if your friend of yours told her that person was guilty, and why, you would believe they're guilty until it was absolutely proven they were guilty. See, so your, your, your bias in the situation was totally determined by what you heard first. And that happens in life. It happens with, with us um, on many different things. What you hear first helps set the foundation for what you believe about things. Okay, For example, even, even uh, with food, we'll say, and say you tasted a food very, uh, a food that you didn't like. and you're just a very little child, you ch- try this food and you hated it. So you could be 30, 50 years old, and like, "No, I'm not trying that. I hate that. I don't like that. But like Mark with eggs, right? I don't think Mark probably had probably one egg ever. His, his first egg is probably his last egg. I don't know <laughs> I don't know, that but, but he, he doesn't like the smell. He doesn't like the taste. He doesn't like you if you're eating eggs. <laughs> he does not like eggs, right? And so something happened, whatever his taste buds were, he just didn't like it. So, Or maybe you went to a, uh, some restaurant, and you ordered some food, and that food didn't taste too good, and you got food poisoning from that place. Or you got salmonella from that place, like Jordan did last year. Poor guy, he had COVID and salmonella, and he said salmonella was definitely way worse. But uh, he had that from eating chicken at some restaurant, and guess what? He didn't go back there, and we haven't gone back there. There's not a line outside the door saying, hey, let me in that place. I want to go get food poisoning in salmonella. So when you have a negative experience, it affects your behavior, what you're going to do. Or even at home, let's say you cooked some food, you had some whatever food it was, and after you had that food, you were sick, it could be years later and you still don't want to eat that food. That, that sickness might have had nothing to do with the food that your mom cooked or whoever cooked or you cooked. might not have any connection at all, but in your brain there's a connection. The last time I ate that, I threw up. I don't like throwing up, so I'm not going to ever eat that again. You know, that's like Taylor with goulash. I don't know if you guys call it that. Or uh, chopped suey, macaroni noodles with spaghetti sauce, whatever you guys call it. But then we call it goulash back home. But he had that one time and he got sick. And to this day, he loves macaroni and cheese, he loves spaghetti, but he will not eat the goulash. It's the exact same thing. I said, it's the exact same thing. I'm not eating it. I don't want to eat it. (laughs) But he got sick that one time, and he doesn't want it. So uh, when we have those negative experiences, it sets the tone for what you believe for future experiences. So imagine it was your first time going fishing, golfing, hunting, or whatever. If you had a good time, you'd be more likely to go back next time. But if you had a really bad time... It's raining or something. You didn't catch a thing. You're probably not gonna want to go back ever again. So, if you, but if you really had a good a good time, your first time fishing, you'll probably want to go again, won't you? Well, let me show you. If you caught if you caught this bad boy, if you put that first picture up for me, if you caught, caught this bad boy, now what is that anyway, Gabe? It's a, a musket musky. Okay, you catch that. I knew it's a fish. <laughs> yeah, it's a fish. I knew that. Uh, if you catch that, you're probably gonna go again. All right. Or the next one? You catch this guy, you're going to probably want to go again. You catch a nice largemouth like that, you're going to say, take me back. All right, or the next one. You catch this guy. This is a 20-pound carp we caught at uh, the friend of the Joneses, actually that guy pond over there in Burnsville area. And then, uh, or this next one. Mine was actually 21 pounds, So just to say. but. <laughs> but uh, Michael later caught one, but it's 24 pounds. But if you catch a nice fish, something like this, the next time your friend or family says, hey, let's go fishing, you're like, let's go, let's go, right? Say the day was perfect, it was beautiful, the sunshine on your back or your face, the breeze is blowing, it's, you're having a good conversation with your friend or you're having a good conversation with God, just, everything just went, it was just a perfect day out on the water. But if you go fishing another time, or your very first time, and it doesn't go quite like that, and you, uh, you don't have such a good catch, you get something like this next one. You catch something like that. <laughs> uh, this is John. Uh, John does, I don't think John has been fishing since then, to be honest. <laughs> if you catch something like that, you might not want to go again. Or this next one. Uh, we, that actually looks like a lure. We caught that. I don't know which Is that you, Micah? who caught that in Canada. And uh, if you catch something like that, or you catch nothing you may not ever want to go fishing again, you know? And uh, you went that day and it rained on you, or it was really hot and you got sunburned, your ear got all swollen up from being sunburned, and you didn't catch much, or your, your pole broke, and uh, then your boat broke down, you got a hook jab through your finger, and you're thinking, you know what, I am never going to do this. What was I thinking? This is the worst thing. But those experiences like that help set the stage for what we believe and what we're going to do again next time. You get the big one, you go back. You don't don't want to. So all of us have areas in our life where we have natural unbelief. All of us do. Some more, some less, depending on what you've been through. And it all comes through our life's experiences. The challenge is what we have experienced feels truer uh, than what we read in the Bible or what we heard God say to us. So naturally, we doubt it. It's a natural thing. I'm not saying normal. I'm not saying... Uh, Christian to keep it or stay that way, but I am saying it is normal. It's a normal thing that we have to pr- go through. So this is why Peter doubted, and this is why we doubt too, is because what he naturally experienced, he never walked on water for. He'd never seen anybody walk on water for. He probably had heard of people drowning in the water, uh, the boat sinking in water and things like that. He never ever probably dreamt of somebody walking on it, right? So there's a conflict in our beliefs with what we have experienced versus what the Word of God is telling us to believe. And this conflict causes doubt and unbelief. And you know what? It's normal. It's part of your process of Christian growth. It's not part of your process to deny that it exists. It's part of your process to deal with it and help it to go away so your faith will increase. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at more today. The doubt and unbelief will remain until that natural unbelief has been dealt with. Just like a demon spirit. A demon spirit will remain until the day you take care of it. You can name him what you want to. You can call him your best buddy. But he's going to stay right there until you do something. So, or you have enough good experiences that it outweighs those bad experiences. You keep going back to fishing, fish and eventually you will probably catch something better than nothing or the little guy. So my question is how, how do we deal with our doubt and unbelief? And I have five steps to show you. I'm not going to go through all five of them today. But there's five steps of how we deal with doubt and unbelief. And I even made them all start with R like uh, some of the uh, famous pastors do to help you remember, all right? Some of them are kind of stretched to make it be an R, but I still, uh, it still starts with an R, okay? So uh, number one is to recognize or recognize areas of doubt and unbelief in your life. Recognize it, as, recognize it for what it is, okay? Not just, that's just the way that I am, or that's just human nature, or that's just whatever. Recognize it for what it is. We're going to look at James 3, 13 through 16. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct uh, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth, which another version say, or deny it. This wisdom uh, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, Confusion and every evil thing are there. Loaded verses with a lot of things there. But you may think, okay, Pastor, what does bitterness, envy, and self-seeking have to do with unbelief? Okay, well, I'm going to show you. Think about for a second, think about where does bitterness come from? Bitterness comes from unforgiveness, right? Okay, where does envy come from? It comes from jealousy, right? It's from jealousy. And self-seeking or selfish ambition comes from selfishness or self-centeredness, just uh, being a selfish person. So my next question, think about this, we'll all connect in a minute. Where does unbelief come from? Well, unbelief is actually a belief. It's just believing something else more than you believe what God said. Okay? It's still a belief. You're believing something, you're just believing it more than what God said. So if you are bitter, you are not practicing God's instructions to us on forgiveness. So you're not believing that what he said is true enough for you to actually practice. Uh, Actually, let's let's put it this way. I'll say it much nicer. Actually, it's not nicer, but it's more blunt. But when we don't do the things that God instructs us to do, we are being prideful and arrogant. Here the creator of the universe, who's been the self-existent one, No one created him. No one told him, instructed him on how to do anything. He doesn't need a school teacher. He doesn't need a science teacher or a math teacher or a tutor. He doesn't need any help from anybody. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough in every way. And he's been around forever. And yet he tells us to do something a certain way like, "Eh, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I think I know what I should do more than he knows what he should. Now we won't say it like that, but when we disobey God, what are we really saying? We're saying, I'm going to do it my way. I'm smarter than him. I, I, I know this might work for this guy, or this might work for that guy, uh, but it won't work for me. What is that? It's doubt and unbelief. You can call it disobedience, and it is disobedience, but any form of disobedience is rooted in doubt and unbelief. We don't believe God. We believe ourselves that our version of our life it work better if we just do it my way. I'm American. I can do it my way. American rights, American dream, all that stuff, and praise God for that. But I'm telling you, if you want the kingdom life, you want a kingdom lifestyle? We need to do things according to the king. It's not a list of rules to make you miserable. It's, a, it's an instruction manual from a father who loves his children, it's his son, daughter. If you want your life to go well, listen to me. I created that water. I created the trees. I created financial systems and economy. I created all of those things. And if you want things to go well for you, listen to your father, okay? So it's in another reason why people are bitter I believe, is because they probably personally have never received with faith the absolute forgiveness of their own sins in their heart. I, I would have to bet if I had to interview sometime with somebody, the person who's the most bitter, most likely has never forgiven themselves or never received the love of Jesus because it's really difficult to give away to somebody what you haven't received. So if you haven't received that forgiveness, how can I be merciful to them when I'm so unmerciful to myself? When I'm so hard on myself for what I've done wrong, I'm going to be hard on somebody else, judge The way I judge myself, I'll judge others, and vice versa. So if you haven't received the love of God, or you doubt your forgiveness, you'll be more likely to become a bitter person. But if you have received the love of God, you've really received it, that all your sins, everything, has been paid for by Jesus, you'll probably be more likely to forgive your child, your neighbor, or whoever else for what they do. Amen? So you can see that it's unbelief. That's unbelief. Uh, You believe that your way is better than God's? It's unbelief. Jealousy. What is the root of what you believe here? You're looking at somebody and you become envious of what they have or who they are or the nice car they have, the nice house they have, how much money they have, the job they have, the wife they have. Hopefully you're not there. But uh, whatever they have, you become jealous or envious of something that they have. And what is, that? What is the deep root of what that is? You, something is you probably don't like them, so you probably have a bitter root judgment there against them, something or other. But you feel that person is just so lucky. That person, just they've just been spoon-fed, they've got it all, they've been just handed to them, and what you really believe deep down is that they don't deserve what they have. And then deeper than that is, you don't believe that God would do that for you. That's the unbelief. It isn't that God blessed them, or they're blessed through their parents, or whoever they're blessed. It's that you don't, deep down, you don't believe that God would do that for you. So the unbelief is, you don't believe God. In that area of your life. See, our faith overlaps every area of our life and affects us in so many different ways. We don't even stop and think about it, why we do what we do sometimes. So that unbelief is rooted in a lie that God would do that for them, but he wouldn't do that for me. You know, I actually felt that way. Uh, so It sounds silly now, praise God. I'm glad it sounds silly now, but uh, even with my prayers and Holly and stuff, I thought, well, yeah, God's going to answer Holly's prayers. Uh, he's not going to answer mine because she's so sweet and kind and nice and I'm not always like that. I'm a little more than I used to be. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, like even on missions trips and stuff, her money would just come in like, like so quickly and, 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 and it would be like she'd get too much. And I'd be like sometimes like, geez, what's up with that? Like where's mine? Where's mine? Why is mine not coming in? This is a while ago and I would, it's this insecurity and all this stuff and they like, sure, this is happening because of this and this is happening because of that. And you know what? It was all a lie. If I want it to happen for me, I got to believe what God said i gotta, I got to deal with the unbelief in my heart, the insecurities in my heart. Of I'm not blessed because I'm the best. I'm blessed because he's the best. Amen? And she's not blessed because he's the best. It's because God is good, not I'm good. And praise God, he takes us from glory to glory, but it's a process. Whether it's our personality, our anger, or whatever, he is, we're in a process of taking us from glory to glory. Amen? So um more self-seeking, self-centeredness. This is uh, looking out for number one. You've probably seen those people, met those people, maybe you are that person, I don't know, but deep down you believe that if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. And deep down you believe that if you just, if you got to step over somebody or step on someone's throat and clamp that corporate ladder to get this or that to that place, because if you don't, you're going to be skipped over, you're going to be missed, you're going to go unnoticed, you're going to go without. And deep down, there's a belief there that, that God won't take care of you. Maybe your father didn't, maybe your mother didn't, we don't, I mean, you'd have to do some of stuff to figure out the real reason for each one of you. But there's a deep down unbelief that, yeah, God will take care of this guy. God will promote that guy. God will do that for this guy, but he won't do that for me. And you know what? It's a lie. And it was rooted there a long time ago, probably when you were a child, from the devil. The same one, remember, he sows the bad seeds in there with the good seeds. And they're going to grow up together unless you pluck them out. But I'm telling you, it's going to cause you to not believe and expect the goodness of God to come into your life. Amen. So we all have these different areas of doubt and unbelief that's been there. It's natural life experiences, doubts, and unbelief. And you can really contribute that to any topic. Think about lying. Why do people lie? Well, they, they don't, either they don't believe it's wrong, or they just don't care that it's wrong. It's an unbelief. Why do people gossip? Why do people steal? Either they don't know it's wrong, or they don't believe it to be wrong. Why do people not tithe? They don't, they don't believe God. They don't believe that God can take their 90 and make it more than, more than 100. Right? They don't trust God with their money. So it's, and I, don't, if, I don't know who's tithing, or who's not tithing. I'm just telling you, if you're not tithing, in that certain area of your life, you don't trust God. Is that okay? Now I'm saying that I've been there. Uh, I'm not there now, praise God, but I was there. And I had to step out in faith, and the only way to get rid of that one is by, <laughs> is by tithing. Right? There's some we can pray and get inner healing for, but that one is going to be by giving. So unbelief can be attributed to any topic almost any topic because it really affects or influences our behavior. See, as long as you think the guy on TV, and the guy on TV could be saying the money stuff for greedy reasons. You don't know. I don't know. But I know that I'm not. Okay? I know that I'm not because I, I, I know my heart. I'm saying it to you guys. I've been saying it a few times lately. Uh, maybe there's people here that are not tithing, but I'm telling you, if you want God's blessings to pour out on your life in this way, the Father's saying, if you give me 10, I'll take your 90. And I'll make your 90 better than your 100. If you trust me. And the Bible says, if you can't trust God with earthly mammon, earthly like money, if you can't trust him with money, how can He trust you with true riches? Which are all kinds of other spiritual good things. Okay? So it's actually a test to your character. It's a test to your heart. It's a, Every time you give, it's a test to see if you're going to obey God. And He says, what will He do? What will He do if you give? He says, He will... Pour open so much blessing in your life. He'll rebuke the devourer, one, which is a very good thing. Okay, If you've met the devourer, he's not too kind. He doesn't like you very much. He'll rebuke the devourer for you, and he'll pour out so much blessing into your life that you don't have room enough to contain it all. Now, sometimes we take those just as financial blessings, and there are financial blessings included in that. But think about relationships with your children. Do you want those stolen or devoured? Think about jobs. Think about emotional health. Think about all these different things. It, there's, it goes across. Your life isn't all chopped up in the little compartments in the spirit realm. It's your life, you know? And so we want to obey God. It's trusting God. Verse 14, going back to this. I'll get off that for now. I might have to do a whole sermon on that so I can get it all out <laughs> for somebody. But I'm still, let me say this. It's the only place in Scripture where God says you can try me and test me in this and see if I won't pour out this blessing to you. So I would just say if you're not tithing, Try it and see what happens, because God says you can, okay? Verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth, or don't deny it. So we could say, if you have unbelief, since those things were unbelief, I showed you how each one of those were unbelief, if we have unbelief in our hearts, do not boast about it, and don't deny that it's true. Let's do something about it, amen? Let's do something about it. I heard zero amens. So, uh, you say it's, oh my, then, oh me, right? It's uh, if you have doubt and unbelief in your heart, okay, we need to do something about it. Amen? Okay. It's really part of discipleship, right? Growing in Christ. So that's number one. Number two, realize. Realize and acknowledge unbelief for what it really is. When you think about doubt and unbelief, what it actually is, it's actually sin. Do you know that? Like, ouch, but I'm comfortable with that one. Uh, You know, most of the church is comfortable with that one. Most of the church world is very comfortable with doubt and unbelief is a, is a socially acceptable sin in the church, or in our lives. Well, that's just the way it is, honey. That's the way it is, sonny, or whatever. It's not the way of the kingdom. The way it is with Jesus, the way it is with, the, with earth and gravity, you're supposed to sink. The way it is with Jesus, you're supposed to walk on it. They're not the same. It's a conflicting uh, a contrast there in what God expects and says we can do and what the world says we can do. It is normal to live at this really low level and expect nothing. But it's not kingdom. It's not how God thinks. And God never thought of Peter as sinking. He thought of Peter as walking. He thought of him as the rock, not as, as uh, just Simon. You know? He saw, saw him as this preacher and preached in Acts 2. And 3,000 people get saved. He saw him from the end, not just his, when he cursed and swore he didn't know him and all these other things. And that's how he remembers us too, praise God. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> praise God. Yes, Amen. So, uh, Romans 14.23 says, But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Everybody's favorite verse right here. So, uh, whoever has doubts is condemned. The King James Version says damned. Now, um, (laughs) I'm not saying you're going to hell if you have doubt and unbelief. I'm not saying that but it's clearly the word it's not good right it's not good if you if you're eating even in eating if you're eating something you shouldn't be eating you don't have faith to be eating it you shouldn't be eating it according to this example but the word here means to give judgment against or judgment worthy of punishment so if you eat something in doubt and unbelief it says the word says you there's you are worthy of punishment now praise god Jesus bore our punishment amen and he paid the penalty for all of our sin and all of our stuff but at the same time, God doesn't want us to live there. He doesn't want us to stay there. He, 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 that's why he introduced the law in the first place, is to expose what sin actually was. To show it, it utterly sinful, and that, that we could try to stay away from that, it. not do that, not live there. So that means that every belief we have that is contaminated by doubt and unbelief is sin. Doubt and unbelief is sin. Are we okay with that? We like doubt and unbelief. I think sometimes we've kept around like pets, I think, sometimes. But I think now is the time, the season we're in, that we need to recognize our doubts and unbelief and get rid of them. Amen? So you can see, uh, from God's perspective, we have to understand God's definition of sin. If you look it up in the Greek language, the word for sin means to miss the mark. It's actually an archery term they used. And There's a lot of military terms. There's lots of sports terms in the Bible that they use. It's a military term. Uh, this is a, a sports term actually for archery. And they had this big, like a picture of Robin Hood, you know, and they had this target over there in this target practice, and they had this contest, and they shoot, and they hit. it doesn't say they missed the target, it just said they missed the mark. They missed the bullseye, most missed the dead center of the bullseye. But oh, man, I, I, I'd be lucky to hit the target, I think, sometimes shooting that thing, depending on what kind it was, compound bow or crossbow or whatever, I, I, sometimes I'm aiming too low, right, Jordan? But, uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, the whole thing was, they, they may have hit the target, but whether you missed by an inch or you missed by a mile, you still missed. And there's no one that can measure up to the holiness of God, except Jesus, Right? And Jesus became righteous for us. He became sin for us. So, we, so he hit the mark for us, but it's still he shows us that these kind of behaviors, these kind of things, he doesn't want us to stay there. For example, if you had trouble with lying in your life, hopefully as a Christian you're going to try to do something to get better in that area, right? If you had trouble with stealing in your life or swearing in your life, hopefully with the help of the Holy Spirit you're going to try to do something to get that out of your life. You're not going to just walk in church and how the blank are you? And, you know, just curse and swear. They're going to be like, we don't do that here, man. That's not how Christians talk. But if, if actually, new ones might. But, but, uh, but as you go through, right? I'm just being real. New ones might have trouble with cursing, right? You're still saved, okay? But at, in your, as you mature in Christianity, you should hopefully at some point get over some of that, right? Amen. Because God does some healing work in your heart, and you don't feel like you have to swear every time something goes wrong or smash your hammer with a thumb. Your thumb with a hammer or something. The same thing with doubt and unbelief. When we recognize doubt and unbelief for what it actually is, that it is sin, what you're saying is, I believe me more than I believe you to God. Okay? Now, not with words, but with our actions and with our inner belief. So when we recognize it as sin, I think we're more likely to deal with it than we will be just, well, it's just normal. That's just normal in church. We, it's normal for us to pray and have, not have our prayers answered. That's not normal in God's mind. That's not normal in the kingdom. It might be normal in the church. It might be normal to every Christian you know. It might be normal to, but it's not normal to Jesus. And that's not the normal he has for you. And as we deal with our natural doubt and unbelief, that's there. Every one of us, every one of us, Andrew Wilmer concluded, I've heard him say it. Every one of us have to deal with that stuff. Our faith will naturally get stronger and stronger and stronger. And you'll see more things come to pass in your life. Amen. So to recap this part, um, it's recognize doubts and unbeliefs in our lives and realize that doubt and unbelief is sin. I don't think we don't look at it that way. We're going to keep it around like a pet or a stray dog. We just want we'll to give a little food here and there and keep it around. Last one, I'm not going to share all of this part today, but just um, the third one is reveal. Reveal real, reveal, and bring our doubts and unbelief to the Lord in prayer. Bring it to God. Whether it's Whatever the sin issue you're going through in life, it is lying or stealing, swearing, whatever it is. Our hope is not in pretending that it's not there. Our confidence shouldn't come from, uh, well, just don't do it in front of the church people, or put a mask on a church to make sure everyone thinks you're okay, but in reality at home you're still struggling. That's not true Christianity, guys. That's fake, bogus religion. You, you want real help, you have to be a real person. Amen? So what we want to do to get real help from your real life struggles is bring it out into the light. God, I'm struggling with porn. I'm struggling with lying. I'm struggling with exaggerating. I'm struggling with trying to make myself look good and make someone else look bad. I'm struggling with jealousy. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with whatever. And you bring it to Jesus, and he will help you do something with it. But pretending it's not there is not going to help anybody. You're not even tricking the people you think you're tricking you're probably just tricking yourself. Because it's so easy to see your junk, it's not so easy to see my stuff. <laughs> the mirror only goes one way sometimes. But anyway, uh, Ephesians 5, I want to show you this. Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. When we are born again... All of our sins were forgiven by Jesus. They were completely paid for. But again, it doesn't mean we want to live there. Well, he paid for it, so I can, that's what I talk about in Romans, right? So I keep on uh, sinning that grace would abound. He said, God forbid, we don't want to live there, but we need to bring it out into the light. And Ephesians 5 here said, to find out what pleases the Lord and to understand what the Lord's will is. And verse 11 said, to have, the Lord's will is to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's part of the Lord's will is to expose him. And I'm not telling you to become the Holy Ghost police and to go around exposing everybody else's sins. I'm talking about us with ourselves. Okay? And I think that's what Jesus is saying here too. Okay? I don't think that's a, a job title for anybody who needs to take up to expose someone's sins. But God, shine your light in my heart and show me what I need, what I'm, where I'm battling. Where I, why I don't believe you. Why I don't trust you. Why I believe my way is smarter than your way. That my way is higher than your ways when you say in the word that your way is higher than mine. Why is that? But when you expose your own stuff, bring it into the light, God can then deal with it. He can take care of it. He can start helping to get that stuff rooted and grounded out of your heart. You know what is going to root it and ground its place? Love. Trust that He's got your back. No matter what you go through in life, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is going to be with you always to the very ends of the earth. In James 1, or sorry, 1 John 1, 5 7 says, this is the message which you heard from him, and I declare to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness or walk in sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Right here, we are instructed to walk in the light. To walk and bring our stuff out into the light. Let it be exposed. That's the thing the devil hates is when we expose our stuff to our friends and neighbors. Like, hey, would you pray for me? I'm really battling with this. I'm really battling with gossip. I struggle with gossip. Would you please come pray for me about that? Like, gossip? That's a sin? I like that. <laughs> but your neighbor might say that, but then you've got to get someone else to pray for you. But, um, but we need to bring our fears, our doubts, our stuff. Not pretending that they don't exist, but bring it out into reality. Bring it out to the Lord's or a neighbor, a friend, both, will you help me with this? Will you help me with this? So, um, I'm going to go over step three and a little bit more next time. That's, that's it for now. But I want you to first recognize doubts in your life. Doubts and unbelief. Areas where you struggle with believing God for. Uh, maybe you got sick one time and now when this sickness comes, you have struggled believing for health. Let's realize that doubt and unbelief is sin. That's two. Step three, reveal our doubts and unbelief to the Lord. Now, we're going to do an activation where you get to do this right now. You're like, oh, great. Well, it is great. Because you know what? The only, the pers- you, we cannot even understand how much this doubt and unbelief is hurting your life. How much it's hurting your neighbor's life. How much hurting your children, people around you. Because doubt and unbelief And fear and lack of love is hindering us from doing the things that God asks us to do. And when we do things God asks us to do, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be abundant fruit. There's going to be good results come from it. We're like, well, God couldn't ask me to do that because of this or that or whatever. Or you talk yourself out of it. you let fear cloud your judgment. Guys, it's going to affect not just you. What you do matters. It affects people all around you. It affects not just your family, but other people. You don't know at work one day. God might speak by the Spirit of God. I want you to do this. But if you've tuned him out a long time ago, you might not hear him say that to you anymore. Because he knows you're not going to do it. You know what that is? It's disobedience, but it's rooted in doubt and unbelief. And guess what? If we get our doubt and unbelief out of the way, our faith's going to work much better. So, Evelyn, and if you can get, Dave and Evelyn, if you guys can pass out the paper, the paper for everybody and pens. If you have your own pen, you can use your own pen. There's some in the pews there, too. And you do not have to read anything you write down to the whole church so you know, but if you want to, some I'll give you a chance because you can expose it, uh, bring it to the light, then that's okay. But you don't have to. I'll tell you what to do once everybody gets some paper and a pen. And you can continue this exercise at home too and and go even deeper with it, but it's going to get you started today. Who else needs some paper? Just put up your hand. I don't know if they have it in the back yet or not. Okay. Who needs pens? Two Evelyn's got some pens. So I'm all about being real, I tell you that. If faith is if faith is gonna work, we can't just pretend, right? We've gotta be real. So I wanna be real with this stuff. So if you have paper and a pen, there's needs some more right here by Pat and Martha and these guys. Pens. Anybody need a pen? All right. Oh, you need a pen. She needs a pen back there. And then uh, anyone need paper? Alright, I think I think everybody's got some. All right, here's what I you want you to do. I want you to write down three to five things that you're believing God for right now. Three to five things that you're believing God for. You don't have to write a whole sentence, just whatever, whether it's a loved one for health, for some financial breakthrough, whatever promotion, whatever you're believing God for right now. I want you to just write that down, bullet form, whatever's fine. when you get three to five, whatever, just look up at me and I'll know most of you are done. And if you're not believing God for something, you need to be. So ask Holy Spirit what you should be believing God for. You don't have to make a super spiritual too. You can put the bass boat on there if you want to. I'm just saying. Uh, I just for just it's not a it's not a super spiritual thing. I'm being real. Like just things you're believing God for. Okay. All right. Once you have that, I want you to write down some reasons. Now, don't, don't get religious and spiritual on me, okay? Just be you. All I want you to be you, okay? I want you to write down some reasons why you think that won't happen. Okay? You're like, I can't do that. That's doubt and unbelief. You're right. It is, and it's there, okay? So let's write down reasons why that won't happen. Like, you might be someone that thinks, if something could go wrong, it would go wrong with me. Well, guess what? There's something that needs to be healed there. Uh, or, the example, if you tend to know someone to say, this would happen, or if it's my luck, this would happen, uh, just... Write this stuff down. Don't deny it. it's there. If you if you want this to happen, but you have doubt that it will happen, just write down why you doubt that it would, it won't happen. You can say because I, I don't make enough money. You can say whatever reason you want it to be, but just write down your reason. Somebody's free will. I mean, whatever. This is very useful information to you right here, what God's given you. All right, now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit why you doubt that this one one or some of those prayer requests will come to pass. Ask him why you doubt It could be just as simple reason as those fishing trip examples that the first time whatever it didn't go right. you get sunburnt or whatever. Um, it could be just some it doesn't have to be a spiritual reason. it could be a natural reason why you're doubting this. Your father didn't do this or your mother didn't do that or whatever. it can be any of those things. Last question. And again, you can do. if I'm going too fast, I apologize. Some are going different speeds. So you can do it at home too, okay? And if you don't remember the questions, I can give them to you. But now I want you to um, ask the Holy Spirit one more question, last one. What do you want me to do about it? Telling you, some of you are going to be like, man, why didn't I do this years ago? Because <laughs> you're going to have a breakthrough. Amen. All right, now, um, just in close, I wanted to see if anyone would be willing to share the things God gave you. One or two, maybe. Uh, if it's too personal, of course, don't share that. Um, just something. That uh, you let, feel you feel comfortable sharing with it, you feel like it was God giving you this, this information. Just who would want to share? Remember, we talked about exposing it, bringing it to the light, and letting the light of God see it. So, if you, if that's you, you feel like you want to share that, just let me know, and you can do so. Anybody, I will not pressure you, but I'm just going to give you a second to do it if you, if you want to. Laura, okay, you want me to bring the mic to you?
1: Holy Spirit, why are why do I think that these things aren't going to happen? Um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, because you don't feel like I care enough about you to care about these details. And so um, so then you asked, what was the last question?
0: Uh, what do you want me to do about it?
1: What do you want me to do about it? And so um, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, you just need to exchange that with me. Like like that's not true. And so uh, that... I heard that that the truth is I'm very active in organizing, setting up every detail of your life. (laughs) He's already set up those things in my life and all the little details. He's already put those into place, and it's just me walking in them. So that's a lie that I would believe that he doesn't care about those things, the details in my life, and those things that I'm praying for.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Laura. Anybody else want to share? Okay. Aaron? Okay. Way in the back. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, one of the things that Julie and I are believing for is a house and I just put it down. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just put that down. Um and I felt like um I mean, there are a lot of reasons. I felt um you know, we were, I looked for houses before we got married, and I felt like the prices went up really quickly, and the market went crazy. And um, I, I was asking God, like, well, you know, why why do I doubt? And I felt like God said, "You think that you have to do it on your own." And He said, "Trust me; that I'll take care of you." Amen. And so that was really good. Amen. Amen. It is good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Debbie. Okay. See, the lies are very subtle. They're small things, but those lies really do hinder us.
2: The second question you asked was, um, why do we not see the first things we put down? Uh-huh. And I think the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, because you've believed the enemy when, you've to- when he's told you that it's your fault.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah.
2: And um, we've, all got, we've all got history. We've all got past. We've all. Mm-hmm. Nobody's been the perfect parent. Nobody's been the perfect sister or daughter. Nope. Nothing. Nope. Um, and we've, we all would love do-overs. Mm-hmm. But uh, God has to take us from where we are now. Mm-hmm. Because the past is gone and the future isn't here yet. So all we have is right now. Amen. And we have to believe uh, that it doesn't matter whose fault it was. Yeah. That's not the issue anyway. It's just a way to get doubt and unbelief in you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Amen. Doesn't matter the reason, it matters what God says. Anybody else? All right, well I'm gonna Okay, just making sure. Right, I'm gonna close this in prayer. I hope that was beneficial to you guys. Um because, like I said, if we deal with our doubt and unbelief and how they got there, why they're there, whatever, and get rid of it, your faith is naturally, you're receiving love, you're giving love, your faith, all of that is naturally going to work better when we get those things out of the way. Amen? I mean, why don't you stand? I'm going to pray a blessing on you and dismiss you. All right. God, I pray you would expose our doubts and unbeliefs this week. Uh, so we can deal with them with your help, so we can naturally believe your word um, more than our experiences, more than our past knowledge of things. God, that your word would just supersede in our hearts and lives, that we wouldn't just agree with it as a theory, but with doubt and unbelief By the way, we would move in faith. We'd move and act, do acts in faith because we believe you and trust you and do and believe you, you tell the truth, you do what you say, you say what you do, and you are a God who honors his word. And so, Lord, I pray even this week you would expose areas of doubt and unbelief in our hearts that you want to deal with, to bring health, wholeness, and healing there so we can walk into things you want us to walk in. And God, I just thank you for your word. It's such a great teacher, and we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.